Lunchtime Chronicles Boston Sour by Amani J. She's no damsel in distress, but a strong woman in need of protection, and he's the perfect man for the job. This is a short, steamy, standalone mafia romance with no cheating, no cliffhangers, and a guaranteed happily ever after. P.S. This one is scorching hot with toy play and so much more. You've been warned. Lunchtime Chronicles is out this Wednesday, September 21st. Go grab it, lady listeners. Welcome back, lady listeners. Welcome back. You are here for the second installment of Dylan's Heart by Lonnie Nicole. That's the author duo, Lonnie Ree and Nicole Rose, who have teamed up to bring us this great book. So we're going to tell you about other good stuff in just a little bit. But first, we were talking about something in between our little break. And so I want to know, start from the beginning. Tell me about this text, sex tape. So I, Ray J, I'm going to say right? that I have read very little clip notes about this because it just came out like okay yesterday or the day before, and I've been involved in the Nicki Minaj Twitter shit, mm-hmm. and so I've only been <laughs> half paying attention to the Ray J Kardashian shit. Okay, but so my grasp so far, and some of mine could be not so right. But my grasp from what I've skimmed over is mm-hmm. Ray J is saying that, and he did release texts, which I'm going to believe are <laughs> true because it would be very ballsy to show these texts and them not be real. real. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Up against the Kardashians who can't afford to sue and destroy until him. Yeah. Until the end of time. Yeah. Until, yeah so... He's saying that it's all fake. Or from the very beginning, it was set up. Chris's mom was a part of it. They this actually was back in the early 2000s yeah. with yes. Kim K and the sex tape. Yes, scandal. which launched her career. Yes. Um, he's saying that they actually filmed three takes of it. And what's even weirder is he said the mom watched them all, Chris. No. And then picked the first one as the best one but over the years when kim has mentioned them and maybe this is true she said i was on x when i did them which she does look a little glassy eyed she does Mm -hmm. look a little out of it in the sex tapes Mm -hmm. sex tape yeah but then there was this big old thing recently where when their hulu thing launched because they got Mm -hmm. a new show yeah went on to Mm -hmm. hulu there was her son was playing on minecraft and mm-hmm. it popped up some little ad at the bottom about new, more Kim Kardashian sex tape to be released, which she fucking lost her shit, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, is there more footage? Oh, my God. So she's freaking out. And they're like, well, you would know if there's more footage. And she says off the cuff, she's like, I don't think there's more footage. I don't know. I could have been asleep and he shoved a dildo up my ass. I don't know what else there could be. Mm-hmm. That's what he's suing her for. Why is he suing her for what? Because he's saying that that comment is implying that he sexually assaulted her. But oh, I, okay. But I didn't take it that way. I took yeah. it off. It was an off the cuff 
kind of yeah. comment. You okay. know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like I, I was so out of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, I don't know. I was just, I could have been asleep. He's still filming. He shoved a dildo up my ass for all I know. I don't remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, Kanye does go and get this computer system, whatever. It brings it all back. It's I remember see, seeing a clip about that, about that he had gone and like she was crying and stuff. Like she was really emotional, right? Like, yeah, she was really yeah. emotional that she got all this back. But then now, I don't know why all of a sudden, because this aired, that comment aired months and months ago. Yeah, and it was probably filmed a year ago. Yeah, and now all of a sudden, he's really upset about this comment. And mm-hmm. so it it gives me like the, um, and this, I don't give a shit if the sex tape was staged. I, I, I give a shit less. Yeah. But I what does irritate me a little bit is I feel like, he's he's looking for some money yeah yeah and you know what i wonder too though i mean just plain devil's advocate with him if it's taken him this long from the time the comment came out to now to not only get representation somebody that's willing to take this on with the kardashians well when it first happened she publicly apologized she reached out to him and apologized Mm-hmm. So she actually, when it first happened, he said something and she mm-hmm. did apologize immediately. Mm-hmm. But then now this is circled back around and I'm not sure what has made it mm-hmm. circle back around. Maybe it is the representation or whatever. But yeah. mm-hmm. But I just wonder, like, I mean, do you, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't care if it's staged or not or the. I think it's gross and weird that her mom would have watched it. I think that's so fucking weird. I mean, I don't know if that's true. That's what he said. Again, I don't know. But like you said, you have to have a substantial amount of evidence to be able to. My belief was always that they made a sex tape. Mm -hmm. They may or may not have had an agenda to release it. Yeah. And then I'm. My what I believed and my guessing of everything was when this happens, you have two options. Mm-hmm. You either give it to somebody to produce mm-hmm. or you let the Internet run wild with it because you can't get it off the Internet once it's there. Yep. So. It's either make money or not make money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you go ahead and you sell it. So I thought that Kim's mom stepped forward, got her the most money she could get. Mm hmm. And launch and let the sex tank go. Yeah. And that's what it was. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I have a little bit of respect for some of the hustle. Yeah. You know, we've come a long way from shaming women for their sexuality and doing yeah. sexual things. You know, mm-hmm. she, even if she did made a, was like, I'm going to make a fucking sex tape and launch my career. Yeah. Watch me go. Mm-hmm. Have at it. Like you know? I said, that part doesn't bother me as much as her mom watching it bothers That's me. Just That's weird. fucking weird. That's but I wouldn't weird. expect anything less from this family. They all seem like they've all got one creepy thing about them. But like the whole thing with the Ray J, it's like, yeah, why is he bringing, it, bringing that out now? Like what's his motive unless it's money? You know, but to me, if it was money, then he could have just slid them a note and said, hey, I'm going to sue you for this if you don't pay me. And I feel like they well, would I think he wants a little bit him. of li- a little bit of limelight because 
I watched um, Love and Hip Hop in mm-hmm. Hollywood or LA mm-hmm. or whatever, which he's on that show. And he's mm-hmm. not shy. I don't see him in a very good light on that show. So yeah. I don't have a liking for mm-hmm. him, for the way he's treated some of the women on the show, some of his behavior. So I am probably being biased mm-hmm. just from watching that show because it's a reality show too. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. So I feel like I'm not coming mm-hmm. in with a fair view. <laughs> fair you know judgment. I mean? Yep. No, fair I get judgment it. Because mm-hmm. I think that some of the stuff he's done is he's been an asshole to women before. Yeah. Or, you know, a little toxic, a little bit of a user. So, yeah. mm-hmm. but at the same time, I think Kim used him and his clot because he had more clot before her. Yeah. Well, you know, and there's, you know, I don't know that, like you said, it doesn't matter to me if it took place or not. I'm interested to know if like, this is like, what's his evidence to prove it? I don't know. I don't know. He says he's got text messages and emails and I just don't, I don't care. Yeah. I, I just look at him and I'm like, seriously <laughs> that's what i think i'm like really yeah. now mm-hmm. yeah now why now this? oh but, my god i don't know well that's what my take on it so far i will do a reddit deep dive later you can read. i'll <laughs> I was read reddit. Say, when you research this further please come back and update me i don't care about this but i want to know <laughs> <laughs> so um I have got our trip to Mexico that's coming up. And when I tell you that I am so fucking ready to be on a beach and not do a fucking thing except have someone bring drinks to me and food and not do a fucking thing. I cannot wait. But I wanted to say, Carrie was the one that planned this, the one that I've talked about before on the podcast. I love her so much. She is the best person to work with. And yes, this is, for travel agents. I'll yes. drop her stuff in the comments too below. She yep. is fantastic to She's work awesome. with. Easy emails, texts. Mm-hmm. Yep. She makes it as simple as possible. And if you, I mean, it, most of the trips that I book with her are big groups. And that's the reason I use her because if it's a big group, she's got it. No problems. And there are, I think there's 20 of us maybe that are going to Mexico total. But, you know, LB, it's her 40th birthday. And it's also my husband's birthday when we're going. So, I mean, it's kind of two birds, one stone. When we planned this, this was like maybe last October, November. L- it was like, you know, LB, like, what are we going to do? Let's plan this out. And she was like, I think I just want to go to Mexico to an all-inclusive and just say, if you want to come, come. And I was like, okay, what about like if you was a travel agent or whatever? And she was like, yes, let's use Carrie. Let's plan out. And so Carrie had this great thing where um, LB sent out an, like an e-bite or whatever, like an inv- invitation through email. And you could say if you were coming or you were not coming. And she was like, you have to let me know by the end of the month if you want to come or if you don't. We're going to stay in this kind of resort in this sort of location. There was nothing permanent yet, but she was like, we're going to keep it around this much money for this many days. And she was okay. like, if you want in, put yes or no. And all the people that said yes, Carrie reached out and she was like, all right, let me price your trip. What kind of room do you want? 
and where do you want to fly out of? And then she was like, okay, it's this much. And so at the time, we didn't, I think I booked our trip with Carrie initially in like February and March. And so like, it wasn't that long ago. Initially, when we booked it with her, Kevin was having like a shit problem at work. Like it was huge. And so at the time, I was like, Carrie, I don't know if we can go to Mexico in September. Like we may just need to pull back a little bit on this. And so I told her, I said, what's the minimum I can put deposit put down Mm -hmm. to hold this trip? And she was like $200. And I was like, okay, done. So, yeah, so that's all I put down on it. And she was like, okay, then you can get, she was like, if you let me know before this date, you'll get a hundred percent refund or whatever. And she was like, but if not, you could pay in installments and it's the final payments due by this day. And I was like, great. And so like, she was so good on the group about, um, she had like a spreadsheet or something. I don't like, but she would send us emails like, okay, guys, you know, here's the excursion options. You'll do this when you get here. Here's your itinerary. Here's who's going to pick you up and take you this place. And it was like, here's the spa. She gave us all the, the menu for the spa and stuff. And I was like, what? She'd even organized a big birthday dinner, like mm-hmm. Friday for that night for everybody to be there and stuff. I mean, it was just flawless. Like I cannot recommend carrying up and she's free. She's free to use. Like it costs yeah. nothing. She gets paid from the hotels and stuff. So yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't cost anything to use her. And every deal that I looked up, it was more than what she would get. So yeah. like, you know, and at the time too, when we booked the trip, I was like, well, I don't want to do flights just in case, like what's the the lowest thing we can book? And she was like, well, we'll just do the room and you can do your flight separate. And my flights were a little more expensive because I didn't get the flights until like maybe a month ago. So they were a little more, I think everybody else when they got them, like, you know, before Christmas and stuff, I think it was like way less, but I was fine with that because we had to wait and see what was going to happen with Kevin's job. <laughs> but anyways, um, but yeah, so, you know, I think that part goes a long way and like, I didn't have to plan anything. Yeah. You know, nice. so it makes me look forward to this trip so much more because that was all out of my hands. And, you know, and I was thinking about if I knew what I know now, I probably would have hired like a wedding planner, even though we had a small wedding. But yeah. just having someone else to check and handle that would yeah. have given me so much more peace before the wedding day. Because now I experience it with Carrie before going on a huge trip. I mean, there were 17 of us when we went to Disney with my family. You know, and we had zero hiccups, not one, you know, and it was just smooth like butter. And I just think like, I didn't have to worry about anybody stressing. Like she had had, she had a wheel or a, like a scooter set up for my dad to be delivered at the hotel. Like, I mean, it was all just taken care of, you know? And so that's what I think just being able to sit back and be like, I'm fucking ready for a vacation. Like, I think that's what (laughs) I'm so looking forward to because I have had to stress about it. Speaking of how Mm -hmm. you should tell him, your dad, Uh to watch 60 Days In. What is that? That's where people go to jail for 60 days. Why? Tell him to jump into season five. Go, like, skip the first season. Go 60 days, season five. Go in. Okay. So what's it about? Explain this. It's where people go undercover 
mm-hmm. into prison for 60 days. Why? Because, well, one, okay, the one I watched, season five is about a new sheriff takes over and they have this jail and it's mm-hmm. bad. He goes in and he strips the jail and they like fill up this whole room full of contraband. Holy shit. That they pulled out. So they were like, all right, well, we want to send in. It's twofold. They send it in people in for two reasons mm-hmm. because they want to know what the inmates are doing mm-hmm. and they want to know what the correctional officers are doing. Okay. Yeah. It's not just about busting inmates. They okay. want to know. They get correctional like who's officers. Crooked? Some of them get fired. Yes. They oh, get wow. fired. How do they get cameras in there and then people don't know? So people think that they're filling, like, so this guy was a new sheriff and uh-huh. he took over. So they think that they're just doing this whole, like, um, like a documentary or something. Documentary. I okay. Mean, technically, okay. I mean, I watch documentaries. I am a killer. Yeah. Uh-huh. Prisons. They're in there doing sure. interviews and shit yeah. like that. So they send these people in and it's interesting to see who makes it and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. And how the women are so different than the men. Yeah. And how they, it's just an interesting process. And the people that you think are going to make it uh-huh. don't make it. And the oh, ones shit. that you're like, no way they make it. Oh my like, gosh. Holy shit. They're going through this and <laughs> just to see. But it gives you. I think the most, I've always thought that the jail system is messed up. I've always believed that. Mm -hmm. But watching this show, it is inhumane. Because some of these people are in there to do their time for stupid shit, for addiction, for petty theft, Mm -hmm. for just stupid shit. And it's like... It's not okay. It's a, mm-hmm. it's not okay. Even the guy, the sheriff, is like, this isn't okay. This is this is fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. But one of the guys got in fucking deep. They asked him to stay and do a second round because he ended up becoming like the boss. Of his Holy shit! <laughs> yes, he was bringing out shanks. He was bringing out pills and medicine drugs he like was running the whole unit how it was insane because he would get his commissary they'd run store people yeah they were sneaking in drugs still Mm -hmm. and what's the name of the show 60 days in okay but it was very interesting and then in this it's like a bunch of people dropped out in the fifth season. And so they were like, we need more. So they sent in tougher people. Like they sent in, there's this huge, um, there's a woman out in Utah who runs a whole prison system. Mm-hmm. They sent her in and she was fucking badass. <laughs> so she pretended to be an inmate. She pretended to be an inmate. And these women get in there and some of them go in there and they're like, people are just being lazy and they yeah. just get three square meals. And they come out and they, when they get in there, mm-hmm. they actually turn. Yeah. And they turn and they're like on these inmates side. One was a cop. Yeah. This she oh god she made me so sad so she went and she was a cop and she didn't let any of the other inmates even the people that were in on it know that uh-huh. she was a cop because she did not want that to get through. of course yeah and there was a really bad person that was running their unit and she comes out and she's doing the interview and they're like she's like sobbing and she was like they were like do you want to go home because you can leave at any time oh, wow. and she goes 
I want to go home. I do. She says, but I can't because I refuse to leave those women in there with that woman. I'm oh my going God. back in there and I'm going to get her fired. Oh, I was wow. like, damn. That was a cop. Was she enough. was a cop. Shit. And it was so, it was a correctional officer that she wanted to get fired. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I Shit. want her. I'm going, I just like, she broke, she like broke my heart and warmed Damn. it at the same time when she was like, I can't leave these ladies alone yeah. with this woman. God. And that was coming from a you got, I was going to say, that's got to be fucking bad then. And she's like, I've never been so, she's like, I've never seen it in my face. Mm-hmm. My own system being terrible, my fellow people doing this mm-hmm. to other people. And even the warden did it at one point. She was like, because she came in later, the warden's like, that that correction officer should be fired and she should be arrested right now. Wow. I was like, damn. Shit. Can they do that? I don't know if they did or not. I guess they'd have to prosecute her before they can just lock her up. But it was interesting. Okay. All right. I'll keep that one in mind too. That sounds good. Um, quick nail update, by the way. Oh, nice cherry red. I know. Listen, I have, I'm converted. I'm a press on girl forever now. I told you Natalie Knight messaged me and she was like Mm -hmm. giving me tips and all kinds of stuff. And then I was, she listened to the episode and she was messaging me about like body piercings and stuff. And I was like, can I share this? <laughs> like everything she was telling me, but I didn't, I don't know if I can or not. So I'll speak <laughs> but if she lets me, I'm going to tell you all about this shit because it was good. But let me tell I have, I have been transformed. Like press on nails are it for me now. I'm done. They stay on so fucking good. I'm just I'm I'm a changed woman. Yeah. So go forth, everybody. Try your press ons. The they have ones that are that are pre glued. They have the like it's like a gel glue, so it's actually got a little bit of give on them. So when you put them on your nail, like when you hit it, you don't necessarily like pop it off right away, mm-hmm. you know. But I will say, like underneath your nail, like under you know underneath the nail line, it gets really gross because there's like a lot of like it's like sticky there it's like kind of like a gel gum and so those i tried don't like them probably won't use those anymore but just look at this kit hold on there's a brush you can buy i use it Mm -hmm. where you wash your nails like this yeah yeah your hand in it and you Uh i do it to mine all the time yes i and i have one like that that i love but these are like it's almost like slime like I mean, it's not slime. It's harder than that. It's like it's like gum that just never hardens. Okay. So the whole time it's on there, it's gooey, and so like even though I'm like washing under my nails and digging stuff out of it, it's still like the gummy stuff is still there. And if I like push it back or try to cut it out, then my nail just comes off. So I was like, that the pre glues are not my favorite. But look, this kit. I don't know if you can see all the different colors. Oh wow! This I got How on Amazon. I think it was like nine dollars. What? Yep. She's got like every color in here, guys. That so is this awesome. what these came from, and it, it's really only enough to do like one set, just because of the sizing. Okay. Of it. Like the How sizing. About How long does it take you to take off a set and put on a new set? Um, I mean, okay. So the last set I put on, they were the gummy ones. 
And those kind of took a little bit to get like all the sticky stuff off my fingers. Mm -hmm. But when I just pop them off, only 10 minutes to Can pop them off. Sit in front of your TV and do that chat. Yeah. And that was one of the tips I read too on Amazon was like, it was the lady was like, wash your hands, let them dry thoroughly. And then when you put them on, don't do anything. Just sit in front of the TV and just let them cure. And she also said, like, I use the brush on. It's like nail polish, but it's glue. Brush it on the nails. And when you get done, she said, like, put the brush under your fingernail. And, like, it just fuses your fingernail to the nail and holds it on even longer. And I've done that. And, it like, I mean, I've had these for, like, I don't know, maybe like five or six days now and they mm -hmm. haven't they haven't no they out. look they look great they look they like look they great. look it's, legit five I can't six, get over it. they look they look they awesome they look yeah. perfect i can't get over it they look perfect send me the link for okay. that kit you mm -hmm. bought from amazon so i can yeah. put it in the show notes like i said everybody. and like it's so, like i keep looking at them because there's so many different colors on it mm -hmm. but it's these are very like fallish but look i got this other set they're so cute Oh, here it is. These are like, this is, see, this is the problem now. It's like I find all these cute ones. These were three, I think three or four dollars on Amazon. Oh, those are cute. So oh, they're cute. Design. Like a fall one. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Yep. I got those and I got some more in here. But I mean, the stick on ones are okay, I guess, because you can reuse them a lot of times. I will say, like, you can't really reuse them once the, the glue is on them. I haven't figured out a good way to get the glue off of the actual nail once I pop them off. Like, they come off my nails fine. I saw this one thing where it's like, oh, you just, like, soak your nails, like, your fingernail polish remover or something, and they'll come off really easy. I haven't done Acetone? that yet. Yeah. Like, I haven't done that part. I just like pop them off and it doesn't hurt and they just come off. So, I don't know. But yeah, I'll send you the link for it so you can have it in the show notes because there were just so many and it was super cheap. And I was like, oh, I'll try these. They're, you know, they're not expensive. Yeah, they look great. So, that's it. All right, let's talk about Lonnie Nicole <laughs> before we get before we get too far into this. Okay, so you're gonna hear the second half of Dylan's Heart. This is the second book in the Silver Spoon Falls series, which is part of the Silver Spoon Falls universe. That's written by Lonnie Reed and Nicole Rose, and together they make Lonnie Nicole. Um, make sure you check that out. They have um, the newest release is Fisher's Catch, and that's book one in this series that you're listening to. And there's also The Prodigy, which is like an MC series that still takes place in the same universe by Nicole Rose. Let's see. Uh, the upcoming release is Adam's Fugitive, which is um, Lonnie Ree. It's book three in the Silver Spoon Falls series. And The Prince by Lonnie Ree, too. Sweet Treat is the one by Lonnie Ree that is free this week. So make sure you grab that. Um, oh, it's September 20th to September 23rd. So, yes, that is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So make sure you grab that and make sure you enter this week's giveaway, which is a $50 Amazon gift card. And then also, before we get out of here, I want to mention we have a book out today in case somebody doesn't catch the end of this episode. Or maybe it's not today. Maybe it's this week, but it's The it Villain. It should be out today. Okay. It should be out by now. Saved by the Villain by Alexa Riley. Go check it out. If you want to get um, this, if you want to get explanation of the book, Go to TikTok. <laughs> and I've got an amazing explanation on there for it. I'm sure. Because Saved by the Hero came out last week, and yeah. now mm -hmm. the other stories coming it's out. The for duet. Saved by the Bell. Yep. Mm -hmm. Feature sure about out. a different couple, obviously. So yep. you can read them standalone. Mm -hmm. 
And then we've got some really good ones coming out in October too. So I can't wait. The next two after these oh ones God, are, are so, so dirty, guys. So dirty. October's so dirty. gonna be filthy. I can't wait. All right. Well, we'll play the second installment of Dylan's Heart and we'll see you guys in just a second. Chapter five. Jewels. Oh no. I whisper. My stomach sinking when I see the blue lights flashing in my rearview mirror. For a split moment, I think about going on the lam, but quickly decide against it. I'd be a terrible fugitive from justice. My brothers would probably sell me out anyway. They've been snitching on me for exactly my entire life. I reluctantly pull to the shoulder of the road, praying the officer in the SUV behind me is anyone other than Dylan. I already know it's going to be him, though. I snuck out of his bed this morning. It was quite possibly the biggest mistake I've ever made in my life. But I woke up with him wrapped around me, completely happy for the first time in my life, and I just panicked. He called me his woman last night, and I liked that a little too much. If he took it back this morning, I would have cried. My one perfect night would have ended in tears and regret and heartache. I didn't want that. If all I can have of him is one perfect night, I wanted it to stay perfect. I wanted my last memory of the night to be of him naked in his bed, all rumpled and sexy and blissful. And last night was perfect, even if he did threaten to shoot the waiter. He materializes from the cruiser, sending my heart into overdrive. It swan dives toward my stomach, then floats toward my throat. He's mad as hell, and hot as Hades as he slams his car door and stomps toward me. Oh, boy. I hit the button to let my window down. License and registration, he growls, holding out his hand once he reaches my window. I can explain. Why you were going 20 over, or why you ran a stop sign. License and registration, he says again. Neither, actually. I'm a terrible driver. You're mad. I whisper instead of admitting to that. He meets my gaze, his dark eyes blazing with heat. No, little firecracker, he says, his voice quiet. I was mad when I woke up this morning to find my woman had snuck out on me. I was pissed when I tried to track her down, only to find out she was working in Houston today. Right now I'm about two seconds from bending her over the front end of my cruiser and spanking her on the side of the fucking road. I freaked out. I cry and then slap a hand over my mouth. He eyes me sideways, his expression softening incrementally. Explain. I like you, Dylan, I say, marshalling my courage. A lot. And I woke up in your bed, worried that maybe this was just a one-night stand to you. 
I didn't want to hear you tell me that, so I left before you woke up. But then I regretted it. By then, though, I was already halfway to Houston and wasn't sure how to fix it. I inhale a quick breath. I just got back to town. He watches me for a long moment, his expression inscrutable, and then he motions with his hand again. License and registration, Jules. My heart plummets. I snuck out of his bed this morning and ruined everything. Now he really is done with me. I pop my eyes open wide to keep from crying in front of him and reach blindly for my license and registration before passing them over to him. Don't move a muscle, he orders me. I bob my head in a defeated nod, staring blankly out of the windshield. I should have listened to my heart this morning instead of my stupid head and stayed in the bed with him. Now, all I'll ever have of him is one perfect night. I'm not sure how long I wait for him to return, but it both feels like a century and not long enough before he steps up beside my Lexus again, holding my license and registration out to me, alongside a ticket. Go home and get some sleep, he orders me when I take it from him with trembling hands. You can pay for this after the baby's surgery tomorrow. I blink up at him without even looking at the ticket. You know about Scout surgery tomorrow? Scout is the newborn fighting for her life. She's having surgery in Houston tomorrow morning and I'm assisting. Tate is in love with her aunt and I promised him I'd be there. I'm worried as hell that something is going to go wrong and we're going to lose her. If we do, it's going to destroy Tate. Tate told me, he says. Go home, little firecracker. His eyes narrow on me. Slowly. Can, can we talk later? After you pay your ticket, he says, and then taps the side of my car and strides away. It might be my imagination but I think he's smiling. Not sure what that's about, I glance down at my ticket. An entire flock of butterflies burst into flight in my stomach, a delighted laugh burbling from my lips when I see that he's ticketed me for theft of the heart. Maybe, just maybe, I didn't ruin everything after all. Chapter 6 Dylan It's been a goddamn day and evening from hell. My mind and fucking heart have been in Houston with my little firecracker all day long. I know how much she was dreading today, and it kills me that I couldn't do anything to help ease her load. I take a swig of my room temperature beer and wince. This tastes like roadkill. After pouring it down the drain, I stare at the clock, wondering if I'll hear something tonight. All my contacts inside the Silver Spoon MC are already at the hospital with hands. His new lady love, Samara, and her newborn niece, Scout. 
Frustration cuts through me as I debate calling Cash or Cowboy to find out what the fuck is going on. If anything bad happens to that child, my little firecracker will lose her mind. I'm debating my options when my phone rings. I glance at the time and groan. Midnight calls mean one of two things. Either there's a real emergency or someone's pet cow got loose. Luckily for me, it's usually the latter of the two. Hello? I answer, not recognizing the number. My feet are numb, Jewel slurs. Can you help me wake them up? You know, like you did my little girl parts. What? Surely I heard her wrong. I need you to help me. This bottle of wine has my head spinning. She whispers before hiccuping and skipping to a new subject. I'm ready to pay your ticket. Come and get it. Holy shit. My girl is three sheets to the wind. I rush upstairs and throw on an old faded concert t-shirt and tennis shoes. I hold the phone against the side of my head and fumble to dress one-handed, while Jules rambles on in my ear, making absolutely no sense. But I refuse to let her hang up. I make the normally ten-minute drive to her house in six minutes and thirty-nine seconds. Yes, I've timed it in the past. As the town's head lawman, I felt it was my job to ensure the woman who owns my heart is safe and protected. And I may have stalked her a little too. Devil sitting on my shoulder reminds me. Wincing, I break the law out of necessity when I breeze past two stop signs and an orange, not really red, light. In the middle of the night, I'm the only vehicle on the road. Let one of my deputies attempt to pull me over. I'll hand him his ass, then assign him walk and clean up after Mrs. Lucy's St. Bernard duty for the foreseeable future. I park my cruiser in front of my girl's adorable Cape Cod and tell her, I just pulled up. I'll be at your door in ten seconds. Yippee! Jewel steps out onto the porch as I rush up the brick stairs. Red blurs my vision and I barely resist the urge to spank her luscious, scantily-dressed ass. What the fuck are you doing going outside in that get-up? I roar as my eyes roam over her curvy body that's displayed for the entire neighborhood to see. She's in tight-ass biker shorts and a tiny half-shirt thingy that hardly covers her ample tits. My cock ignores me and stands at attention when I notice the tiny jewel blinking from her belly button. Overbearing asshole, she snaps back. I was coming out to greet you like a normal human being, but you just have to pick a fight. She points her finger at me as fire flashes through her beautiful eyes. I can't resist leaning over to place a soft kiss on her adorable button nose. I don't want to fight with you. Are you okay, little firecracker? 
I walk her back into the house and kick the door shut with my foot. She glances up. Her bottom lip trembles, and my thoughts turn to comforting my girl. Taking her hand, I lead her into the living room and sit on the beige leather sofa before pulling her into my lap. Tell me about it. Jules lays her head on my shoulder and explains how the day went. So, the baby is okay? I ask, trying to make sense of her technical mumbo-jumbo. It was touch and go, but she should be okay. Her soft breath brushes against the side of my neck, sending hunger shooting through every molecule in my body. She was well taken care of. Tate is the best doctor. I don't like to hear you praising another man. I nip at the side of her luscious throat. Jules pulls back and frowns up at me. He's my employer and friend. And I'm your jealous man. I remind her. You stole my heart and now you're stuck with me. Lucky me. She whispers a second before I feel her breathing even out against my skin. The wine finally took its toll on my girl as she snuggles into my arms. I realize how much it kills me to see her hurting. I plan to spend the future ensuring her happiness so I can avoid this dull ache in my chest. After tucking my girl under her frilly covers, I pull off my jeans and t-shirt and lie down next to her. I'm honorable, to a point. I might not take advantage of her inebriated state, but leaving her in this condition isn't a possibility. Early morning sunlight is peeking through the half-opened blinds when I wake up to find my girl tracing a line over my heart with her soft finger. Thank you. She glances into my eyes and smiles. For coming over to take care of me last night. You don't have to thank me. I lean up and kiss her soft lips. It's my job to make sure you're taken care of and happy. Hugging her luscious body close, I run my fingers through her messy hair. You own me. Heart and soul, little firecracker. I need to make myself clear so we don't have any future misunderstandings. I plan to keep you for all eternity, but I know you haven't caught up with me yet. She opens her mouth to interrupt, and I lay my finger over her juicy, sleep-swollen lips. I'll give you all the time you need. Just don't run away again or clam up. She bites her bottom lip, then blurts out, I think I love you. Her words shock the holy shit out of me. My mouth falls open, and I blink several times while my brain wakes the fuck up. I fell in love with you the first time you told me to buzz off. I smile and hug her tightly, stunning with a sassy-ass attitude. How did I get so lucky to find you? Good living, I guess. She hops up to shower and I head down to the kitchen. I have a goofy smile plastered across my face and I don't fucking care. 
I make her a greasy breakfast to absorb the rest of the alcohol and a pot of strong coffee. You are a mind reader, she groans, taking a sip of her steaming mug of coffee. Thank you. Have a seat, I point at the small table sitting in the bay window, and I'll serve you breakfast. Chapter 7 Jewels Dylan and I eat in silence for a few moments. I think my wine-soaked brain is still trying to process that he's in love with me. I didn't expect him to say that. Who am I kidding? I didn't expect to tell him that. But it's true. I am in love with this bossy, overgrown, possessive, crazy man. You're thinking too much, he says suddenly, dropping his silverware to his plate and reaching for my chair. He drags it around the side of the table toward him, squishing me up against his side. There's absolutely not enough room for us both on one side, but he doesn't care. Once I'm where he wants me, he grunts, grabs my plate, and then places it in front of me. I'm a woman, we tend to think, I say, amused by his behavior. He's such a caveman. I don't like it. Too bad, caveman. He growls. Look, little firecracker. He says, turning to face me. His serious expression sends a frisson of heat through me. I'm not going to let anything bad happen to you. I may rush you and I may be a caveman, but you're holding all the cards here, not me. You're in charge. If you need me to slow down, just say the words. Dylan? A look of dread passes through his expression before he manages to school it. Yeah, baby girl? Don't slow down, I whisper, shaking my head. Maybe we are moving at the speed of light, and maybe it is a little overwhelming. But it feels right. He feels right. Just yesterday, I helped a newborn fight for her life while Tate repaired her heart. If anything had gone wrong, we would have lost her. Her life would have ended before it even began. I don't want to spend my life holding myself back, afraid to take chances. I want to live, really live, and I want to do that with Dylan. I'm done running from him and the way he makes me feel. If he's all in, so am I. I've done my thinking, and my mind is made up. I choose Dylan. I'll pick being crazy with him over being miserable without him any day. Fuck, he growls, emotion flaring in his expression. The same rises in me, surging through my veins in response to the look in his eyes. How's your head feeling? It's fine. Good. He pushes his chair back from the table, rising to his feet in one abrupt motion. Two seconds later, 
I'm in his arms and he's storming from the kitchen. We're both going to be late for work today, little firecracker. And it's entirely your fault. Dylan! I cry, squirming in his arms. I can't be late. Too bad, Jules. He growls. Tell them you have an appointment with justice. It's time for you to pay your ticket. Chapter 8 Dylan Three months later I push the Silver Spoon Falls courthouse door open and feel the warm sun beating down on me. After a three-hour-long meeting with Mayor Branson over the shit show with his brother, I'm ready to get the fuck out of here. Dumbass Brady Branson is giving the Silver Spoon MC a run for their money. The goddamn prospect's middle name is Fuck Up. Feeling a little twinge in my chest that reminds me it's been five hours since the last time I kissed Jules's lips, I decide to stop by the doctor's office to check on my girl. I start my cruiser and crank the AC full on to icy blast. My phone buzzes a second before an English man's voice comes on to announce, Silver Spoon Pediatric Surgery? Jules hated the sexy female voice that came standard on the vehicle's Bluetooth, and I will do anything to make her happy, so I changed it to a dude's voice. A smile breaks out on my face as I answer, Perfect timing, little firecracker. Fuck you. I'm expecting her sweet voice, and instead get Tate's gruff growl. I'm going to kick your ass for ruining the best nurse I've ever had. My heart seizes in my chest, while the worst-case scenarios flash through my mind. After running over the curb and almost hitting a fire hydrant, I park on the side of the road and beg. Please tell me Jules is okay. Tate grumbles under his breath for a second before sighing. If you call puking up her breakfast nonstop until I gave her a Zofran injection fine, then yep, she's great. Fuck me with a wooden spoon. My swimmers did their goddamn job. I lay my head back and stare at the ceiling, letting the cold AC flow over me. Once I have feeling back in my legs... I'll head straight to the doctor's office and show my girl just how happy this turn of events has made me. I can't fucking believe you did this to me. Tate is still grumbling when I hang up on him. I'll apologize later when I give my girl's notice. As I pull into the parking spot in front of the office building, I realize I don't remember a second of the ride here. Fuck me. I'll worry about my issues after I check on my little firecracker. The front receptionist is smart enough to keep her lips zipped when I storm past her desk. I push into the outer office and see Mariah sitting behind the counter. She's in the bathroom, last door on the left. She calls as I rush by. You're welcome. Raising my hand over my head, I wave at her 
Another apology I'll make later. I push open the door marked Little Girls and find Jewel sitting up against the wall with Tate Grimes hovering over her. Fuck, she's pale, and the dark bluish circles under her eyes are new. Are you okay, little firecracker? I gently wrap my arms around her, trying not to jostle my girl too much. Your child hates me, she wails. How am I going to survive eight more months like this? I have no idea. I glance up at Tate. But I know one thing. If this is what pregnancy does to my girl, we're only having one child. There's no way I'll survive watching you go through this misery again. You know what they say about the best laid plans. Tate shakes his head sadly. They never go according to plan. Ignoring his dire prediction, I help my girl to her feet. I'm taking her home. I don't leave any room for argument. I'd start looking for a replacement. My limp firecracker is too drained to argue, but I'm sure she'll have plenty to say once she's recharged. When we get back to my place, I help Jules change clothes and set her up on the sofa with the remote and strict instructions to take it easy. While I search the internet for recommendations for the best obstetrician in the area, she snoozes. Once she wakes up, I get her to eat crackers and drink a little warm, clear soda. Google said this might help. Thank you. She gives me a smile, and relief hits me between the eyes as I watch the color return to her smooth cheeks. Now we need to talk. All my girl says just went out the window. The caveman is ready to do whatever is necessary to protect our family. I take her soft hand in mine and kiss the back of it. I fucking love you. I need her to know where my actions are coming from. I'll help Tate replace you. Placing my finger across her lips, I halt her argument in its tracks. I'll even agree to let you talk to him by phone and maybe stop by in person to help out for a few minutes if you aren't feeling bad. I see the steam leaking from her bright red ears and ignore it. Gotta love fair-complected redheads. The outward signs of displeasure are very evident. But you and this baby are the only things that matter to me and I will do whatever it takes to keep you safe. If I need to make good on my threat to kidnap you, then so be it. Wow, you are the king of cavemen. She blinks up at me. But I freaking love you and your overhanded, old-fashioned ways. Good, because I'm all yours. Deal with it. A thought suddenly occurs to me. I almost smack my forehead when I realize that I forgot to tell her the most important part. As soon as I get Judge Anderson out here, I'll give you and our son my name. I don't bother asking. At this point, I'm in for a penny, in for a pound. After finding my heart, 
I plan to spend the rest of my life keeping her happy and safe and pissed the fuck off at my caveman ways. Can't have everything, but she has me. And that's basically the same thing. Epilogue 1 Jewels Five years later Caveman I moan, writhing against the shower wall as my orgasm washes through me, setting off a series of detonations in my belly. Lava flows through my veins, unmaking me from the inside out, as Dylan growls my name and yanks me down on him, following me over the edge. I slump against his broad chest, completely spent. Fuck, little firecracker. He pants, holding me tight. I thought I was cleaning you up. You started it. Those perfect tits started it. They were taunting me. I laugh quietly. He always says that. We can't ever shower together without it ending in us having sex because he swears my boobs taunt him or my butt or some other part of my body. After five years... He's still completely ridiculous. I'd be lying if I said I didn't love it, though. My husband is more in love with me now than ever, and I feel the same way about him. Until my stomach turns unexpectedly. Put me down, I cry. He must hear the panic in my voice because he doesn't argue with me for once. He immediately lifts me off him, setting me on my feet in the middle of the shower. I quickly stumble out, grab a towel from the hook, and make a beeline for the toilet. Jules, what the fuck? I'm too busy dry heaving to answer him. A few seconds later, he crouches behind me, wrapping my towel around me. Poor little firecracker, he says. Did you get food poisoning? Should I call an ambulance? Uh, what can I do? What can he do? Is he kidding me right now? This is all your fault. I growl at him and then dry heave again before my stomach finally settles. I sink to my butt on the floor, gasping for breath and glaring at my oblivious husband. This isn't food poisoning. It's his super swimmers. My fault. His brows furrow and then his face pales. You mean... You got me pregnant again, Dylan. No. He growls, shaking his head. Fuck no, we agreed I couldn't go through that again. Even though I feel terrible, I bite my lip to keep from laughing because he looks like he might throw up now. He did not handle my first pregnancy well, when we found out I was having triplets, I thought he was going to have a heart attack. He was beside himself the whole pregnancy. It drove me crazy and made me love him even more. We have three beautiful little girls now, and he's even bossier as a result. But no one loves us like he does. Our girls idolize their daddy, and he's wrapped around their little fingers. 
You should have thought of that before you knocked me up then. A murmur. It's too late now. I smack him on the shoulder. Help me up. He scoops me up in his arms, pressing his lips to my temple. Fuck, I can't believe you're pregnant. Are you happy? I ask, worried he might really be upset about it. With you always, little firecracker. He promises, carrying me toward the bedroom. And then he frowns. Unless you give me three more girls, then I'm going to be pissed. It won't be three more girls, I say laughing. God, please don't let it be three more girls. He really will have a heart attack. I love you, he whispers, depositing me in the bed. I love you too, caveman. Epilogue 2 Dylan Sixty months later Okay, it's only been six and a half months since we found out there was a new little Armstrong brewing. But the way I see it, months of watching my curvy little firecracker puking her guts up at all hours of the day made it seem like a lot longer. My wife stares down at our hour-old daughter before placing a light kiss on the newborn's knuckle. I kept my promise. I glance down at the newborn in my arms and shake my head. That's a technicality. My only son, Theodore, is snuggled in my right arm rooting around against my t-shirt for a tit he isn't going to find. No, my little firecracker is always ready with an argument. I promised that we wouldn't have three more daughters, she shrugs. I didn't say anything about multiples, and I never promised only a single baby. One girl and a boy is a totally different thing altogether. Want to trade? This one is out for the count. Jules holds Casey up for me. I think your impatient son is about to tune up. She points to the baby fidgeting in my arms. My wife is the perfect mother. She anticipates all the girls' needs and keeps our home running smoothly. Here you go. I make the baby switch and walk over to lay my sleeping daughter in the plastic bassinet in the corner of Jules's hospital room. My heart might burst from the happiness slamming through me as I watch my wife attempt to feed the little pig. Teddy is going to be the troublemaker. My little firecracker just jinxed the fuck out of us, and there is no fucking way she's calling my son Teddy. I have no doubt her prediction is accurate. Theodore is the only one of our kids with bright red hair, just like his mother. Holy shit. No telling what kind of trouble the male version of my wife can get into. Sweat pours down my back as scary thoughts assail my mind. A knock on the door interrupts my minor freakout. Can we come in? Tate asks from the hallway, and my wife covers her luscious tits before replying. Come in. 
while the women ooh and ah over our gorgeous children. Tate whispers to me, God damn, you have any single sperm? The doctor and I both know that my wife's stunning genetics are responsible for us winning the child lottery. Nope, I shake my head. And from the looks of it, I only had one boy swimmer. Tate smirks at my silliness. Lacking sleep and overcome with relief, I'm at my charming best. After our friends leave, I call Diana, our middle-aged nanny, to check on the girls. I ask Diana to bring Marcy, Delia, and Isabel to the hospital tomorrow to meet their new siblings, and she agrees. That gives us one night of quiet with the twins before the real excitement begins. Welcome back. Hey, lady listeners. Thank you so much, Lonnie Nicole, for giving us Dylan's heart and letting us put it into an audiobook this week. It was lots of fun. We love having you with us. And next week, get excited because we've got I am excited. Mila I Crawford. <laughs> yep. Mila Crawford's coming next week with a book called Turned. And I don't know what that means, but I'm excited slash nervous. I know. She asked. She was. She asked how dirty she could yeah, get. Yeah, that was her question was, how dirty can I make this? And I was like, uh, there is no limit. I, I like, used to read like all of her books, mm-hmm. but then she's gotten a little darker. And mm-hmm. it gets, you know how I get about dark. Even I know. Like, Sam you get and scared. Like, it gets too dark. <laughs> I'm like, I can't do it. But, but I, yeah, I usually love all of her books and eat them up. So I'm sure I will have a ton of recs, ne- mm-hmm. a ton of recommendations next week for you guys. I know. We've got some good books still coming up. Like we've got Mila Crawford. And then after that, we have, um, it's Lauren Smith has a book with us and then Kristen Allen and Gemma Weir. My gosh, we've got, I'm trying to think about who's turned in stuff. Like everybody that I've got Trisha Wolf. We actually got her to do one and like normally her stuff is super dark too. And so she's weird. No, she, what, that's what I'm curious about. Trisha Uh Wolf went dark too, because she was really sweet. (laughs) Maybe sometimes, sometimes I wonder if, because I was actually talking about this with a lady listener. Mm-hmm. I was like, I wonder if sometimes these authors write, you know, these sweet books because mm-hmm. they're in this genre yeah. and then they get in the flow and they're like, okay, I'm going to write what I really want to write. Right, and then right. They start like yeah. cutting off people's heads and uh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's what she said. So I asked her, I said, do you have, you know, a book or do you want to write something that would fit for the podcast? And Trisha was like, um, I don't think so, but maybe. <laughs> so she went and looked some stuff up and she was like, okay, I think this one will work, but you can read it and see if you think it's too dark. And I was like, no, it's fine. I'm just going to say it's a narrator. Well, the great thing about hers is mm-hmm. why they can be a little dark. Mm-hmm. Her heroines are badass. Yes. Yeah. So they sure. are, it's just not the men that are like cutthroat. The mm-hmm. women are cutthroat too. They're yeah, not cutthroat yeah. too. The heroes aren't cutthroat to the women. Yeah. <laughs> outwardly. Listen, everybody agrees to in these books, there's stuff that happens, but there is consent. <laughs> So anyways, that's it for us this week. Make sure you check out all Lonnie Nicole stuff and we'll see you next week. Yeah, I think that's it. Tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make sure you're a bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye guys. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, 